Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. If you're new to BCC, just a great big welcome to the church. And this morning, we're picking up on chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, and the, the, the topic title for today is God's Perfect Timing. Who likes perfect timing? <coughs> Who knows what it's like to be imperfect in their timing? And what happens when things go wrong? It's tough, isn't it? Uh, we're going to explore some of that this morning, and uh, I think it's going to be really fun because uh, we've got some stuff to look at. And uh, perfect timing... Is, is, is really important in life, and we'll explore a couple of those thoughts in a moment. Let me just pull up a, a picture for you. What do you reckon about that picture? A moment in time. Uh, timing has always been a key element in my life. I've been blessed to have been in the right place at the right time. Buzz Aldrin, astronaut. And of course, we, we know that uh, we've recently had one of our astronauts return, our only astronaut, or our second astronaut in the UK return from the International Space Station. But interesting, look at those bubbles on that picture. Uh, is that real or is that, a, is, that, is that real? I don't know. It could be. It could be. But if that's the timing, interesting timing, how those bubbles have come out of uh, the, uh, the bubble thing. What do they call that bubble thing? A bubble thing. <laughs> Blowing bubbles. <laughs> and they just happen to have two in front of this girl's eyes. And uh, Interesting timing. A moment in time. What happens in a moment in time? Something. Anything. You know... A moment in time can be one of the most ex- embarrassing experiences you've ever had, or it could be one of the most exciting experiences you've ever had. It's all about timing, isn't it? Uh, but today we're talking about God's perfect time. God's perfect time. In this whole subject of timing, uh, there are certain things that you have to get right with timing. Some things are very important, and your m- mind might be thinking about them already. One is dealing with people. You've got to pick your moment, haven't you? You've got to pick your moment for certain things. If you are in a company and you want a pay rise, you don't ask for a pay rise when the company's on a downer. <laughs> You've got to get it while it's on the up and up. That's the right timing. Um, you don't try and correct someone uh, when they feel threatened by you. If there's tension in your workplace or in your friendship base, if there's tensions in your world, if you try and correct someone when there's a tension going on, then uh, Joe, you'll find out all about this. <laughs> For those listening, Joe gets married next week. So, um, you know, if there's a tension. And on the matter of being married, you know, you don't ask for favours from your wife, like get me a cuppa or please get me a cuppa when she's stressed or very busy with the kids again. <laughs> so it's just, the reality is you've got to pick your timing, haven't you? You've got to pick your timing. And equally, you know, it's Father's Day today, so, so wives, you've got to pick your time with your husbands. You know, you've got to choose the right moment to to get the gardening done and all that other stuff. And uh, who's had a Father's Day card this morning? Yeah, a couple of men. (laughs) I haven't. (laughs) Um, But timing is important. My daughters aren't even here this morning yet. They will be here in the next service, but um, I think they missed the timing with the clock this morning. I think that's, that's part of their timing challenge. But timing is very important. You may have heard the expression, timing is everything. Have you heard that expression? Timing is everything. Well, in cooking... Timing is important. Um, I was looking at, um, who likes beef burgers? Are you tasty? Who likes barbecues? I'm looking at the South African contingency of the room and their hands are starting to move. Who likes a good juicy steak? 
mm, all the guys, it's a, day's, a guy's day. Yeah, but, um, you know, you, it's really important. If that steak or that burger, it's got to be cooked right, hasn't it? If it's undercooked, it's raw, and that's not nice. Um, that's more of a French approach. But if you overcook it, there's nothing worse than an overcooked burger, is there? It's like charcoal biscuits. Have you ever, <laughs> ever tried that? And they're really bad if you leave them until the next day because they go rock solid. Um, but steaks as well. I don't like overcooked steak at all. But maybe you're a veggie person. Who's a veggie in here? Basically, all you have to do is warm it up. It's basically cooked, isn't it? As long as it's not frozen, it basically tastes the same no matter what you do to it. Uh, but medicine, there, we have doctors in the house. And, you know... Um, if you, uh, if you catch a problem early, timing, if you get there early, you've got an opportunity to really deal with a problem. If you leave it too late, then uh, start, and guys are like that. We often, you know, I don't go to the doctor unless I really have to, but often it's a little bit on the late side. Um, but uh, equally, if you get prescribed medication and you don't take it, chances are you will not recover as quickly as you should do. Equally, if you get your timing wrong and eat or, or take too much medication or too many of the wrong combinations you can do yourself a lot of damage. So timing, again, is very, very important. Uh, but equal with finance and things like that, if you invest in something and you leave that investment in the wrong place for too long, timing is everything with financials and, and it can make a big difference in your life. And uh, in football, of course, timing is very important. And we know we're in the Euros at the moment. I, I found this great shot. Uh, looks painful to me, but um, life is about timing. A Carl Lewis quote. That isn't Carl Lewis, let me add. But... Um, I wouldn't want to be the recipient in blue in that photograph. <laughs> I should have done a sort of blowed up picture of his face because it's quite, it looks like he's in some degree of agony. But um, either way, a moment in time. And sometimes people live for moments. You know, sometimes people in this life, we just live for moments. You, you live for an, the next moment. You, you live for that, that next opportunity to, to see something spectacular happen. That possible, whatever it might be, that next moment. There's some big moments happening this week. Of course, we've got a big moment tomorrow night. Will we qualify for the playoffs in the Euros? And, um, but equally, Thursday's a big moment, referendum day. Uh, some are saying that will be the biggest decision in your lifetime. So don't ignore that. If you are, if you've got to pray about it. You know, I'm not going to speak into anyone's political, well, not even political, it's their own judgment about which route to go. But think long-term, don't think short-term. Don't think about your immediate problems right now. Think about the implications of that decision on Thursday, pray into it because it will have a generational impact. You realise that. That decision Thursday will affect your kids or your grandkids. That decision is going to do that. It's going to affect this country and we won't really know until that decision is made. People are saying a lot of things, but timing is everything. I personally don't even think we should have had a referendum. That's my honest view. I think it was a mistake politically, but even so, it's, it's happening. And, and we just trust God. We're going to be praying on Wednesday here as a church in our prayer meeting on Wednesday evening. And uh, we'll be praying about that amongst other things. And last week, it was great to have many people here to pray. Prayer is where that brilliant that's right prayer is where the power is we know that God's in control of all of this stuff so we don't freak out about it but but we've got to play our part so please vote and play um, and and uh, pray into what you're going to do but timing is important in your spiritual life timing is important the bible talks about timing and we're not going to read uh, all of chapter six in fact we're not even going to read the first half of the chapter we're just going to pick a few verses out of chapter six verses one to thirteen I'm going to pick some of that out. So you'll have to go home and read it or discuss it in your life groups because there's a lot in this first 13 verses. But we're going to talk about verse 1 in a moment. But I just want to set this up by saying that timing is important spiritually. There is importance in spiritual timing. Jesus said, my time has not yet come in John 2. 
And in John 7, he said, the right time for me has not yet come. The Bible has lots of references to timing. The Old Testament, there's references to timing. What is prophecy? It's speaking about a future thing that's going to happen. The exciting thing about this room and us today is today is the right time for you. It is, the, it is your appointed time. Your time is now. Your time is now. And so don't miss the now opportunity that God's got for you. And it says in John 7 about Jesus, his time had not yet come. And it says it in, ver- in chapter 8 as well. His time had not yet come. It's not just an expression. This is a specific uh, statement about something that will happen at a point in time. And in fact, the scriptures talk about salvation being um, a point in time. Jesus, a, a man once for all time, paid a sacrifice. Once for all time. That's why our sins, past, present and future, are forgiven through Jesus Christ. Once for all time. That's why we don't have to walk around constantly in guilt, guilt, guilt and feeling like we failed, we failed. Because we work hard to do and, and be people who are approved by God. Not because we're under pressure, but because we're under grace. We're under grace. It's an amazing thing. But God's timing is perfect. And part of our journey is learning how to walk in God's time, not our time. God's time is not a, just a moment. His God, uh, God's time is an eternal time frame. So uh, we may live for moments like those photographs. The, the moment in time with the footballer, the girl with the bubbles fa- passing her eye. A novelty. <coughs> But if your life is based on moments of novelty, you may miss the bigger picture. Actually, the bigger picture is an eternal picture. And we've been talking about that in 2 Corinthians. God's perfect timing. Timing is important in your spiritual life. It's very important. Uh, as we look at this chapter 6, this first verse, it says, as God's partners, first one, verse 1, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's kindness which is also called his grace in other versions, and then ignore it. We could skip through this verse and miss some really powerful stuff. God's timing is current, right? It's now. We're going to pick up on three aspects of God's timing. The first thing about God's timing is it's current. It's very real right now. Me standing in in this room on this platform speaking to you is a kingdom moment in your life. It's a kingdom moment. You will make decisions on what you hear and you'll take actions this week based on what you have listened to over this weekend and as you go into next week. If your world falls apart because Monday doesn't work out too well with England, then, then you're living for the wrong moment, really. But it's a great moment. We want to celebrate. You know, There are seasons, and we know from Ecclesiastes, there's time for everything under heaven. But, but God's timing is current. I want to make this emphasis. God's timing is current. We have partnership in BCC, and that word partner is not accidental because partnership is a kingdom principle as God's partners. Um, so we, we adopt the same kind of language in our church. We work and collaborate in partnership. This is why we had a partner's morning a couple of weeks back, and new people signed up to become partners. Now, it's not a contract. It's not a, you know, you don't give us personal details on the back of that. It's just your choice to commit. Paul, the Apostle Paul said, as God's partners. In other words, there's a higher level of commitment than just attendance. It's a higher level of commitment than just, just listening. It's a higher level of commitment than just casually breezing through an awareness. It's an absolute intention. As God's partners. It's interesting that that word partner means working together. It, it has a root in Greek, and I don't often use Greek words, but the, the, the Greek word is synergeo. It sounds like synergy, doesn't it? And when you get 
partnership working, it means you're working together to produce something that both of you are needed to be involved with. That's the whole nature of partnership. Partnership produces, in the accounting world and, and the consulting world, partnerships enable a multiplication to take place. It enables multiplying. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvellous gift of God's grace, his kindness. Not to, uh, uh, not to accept and then ignore it. That's the key, and then ignore it. So it's about accepting it, but not ignoring it. Now, this was text written in a letter to a group of believers in Corinth, real people like you and me. And he was writing, Paul was writing in this letter, uh, uh, assuming that they understood that we're partners. Assuming, it's a default. We are partners, working together with God, individually, corporately, working together. We beg of you not to accept this marvellous gift of grace and then ignore it. Why does he say that? Because people who follow Jesus can ignore this marvellous gift of grace. We can ignore it. We can live our life ignoring this marvellous gift of grace. But um, this is the New Living Translation version of this. If you dig a bit deeper, and I went into the Greek on the word ignore. Again, don't normally dive into the Greek side of this. But that word ignore relates, it relates to emptiness, producing emptiness in your life. Once you start to add the, the depth of these words into this one verse, you start to see something. And I'll put the words up there. Partners in Greek is synergeo, working together and then ignoring it, which means living or working empty. So you could be in an environment where you have a faith in God, you're trusting God, you even think yourself as being a partner. In fact, you may even have put yourself down as a partner of this church, but you're living an empty life. Do you realise that? You could be just breezing into and out of our world here, and living an empty life. Working together, but working empty. That's a dangerous place to be. If you're, if you're, are we really working together for working? I don't think so. I think it's very possible for us to live emptiness in our lives. Empty, ignoring, not seeing that God's grace is working. And God's grace, I think I said recently, is, is almost, it's not just his forgiveness, but it's his rev- revelation of your gifting that he wants to draw out of you. So we're drawing out the gifting in you. Together we do it. In partnership, together as a church, if you're involved in a life group, and we'd encourage many more to be involved in life groups in BCC, I think you're missing a massive kingdom opportunity for yourself and for our church if you don't link with a life group. Why? It's not just another meeting. It's because if there's authentic spiritual life in that group and not preaching but sharing, then you will see that what will come out of that group and fellowship will massively impact your life. Those groups and those people in this church that are in groups see things happen that you wouldn't believe. And when you're outside of it, you're just not any the wiser. Now, I'm not saying you're empty if you're outside of a small group, but today, next service, we have a baptism. Isn't that fantastic? We're really excited. Baptisms every month this year. And we pray that God will enable that to continue to be the case. But we don't take anything for granted. But, you know, this Sunday, tomorrow, sorry, today, as today is Sunday, today, next service, which is in in an hour's time or so, um, Dave and Jay are baptising one of the candidates. Why? Because they're in Dave and Jay's life group. Isn't that amazing? I want that to be the pattern of what we do. We've never done that before. One of those candidates said, could, could Jay baptise with Dave? We had Vlad down. He's going to do one of them. But um, I thought, oh, we don't normally do it like that. 
but why don't we just mess around with our whole plan and let, let the life of God breathe a bit more into our church? So the life group leaders are baptising one of the candidates. Isn't that amazing? It's exciting. So you as a life group leader, think about who you could baptise. And no baptising people twice, OK? <laughs> anyway, for those of you, by the way, um, who have been through an experience of baptism as a function in the past but never felt like you had faith, but it was just a, something religious you did... I know there are people coming into our church right now who have had religious experiences but have never really had a relationship with God. And there are one or two that that want to talk about being baptised. That's a completely different conversation and that's a good thing. So um, living empty, you know, when I was at at school in my sixth form, I had a really close friend and he was one of these sort of people. He he viewed himself as being in partnership. He knew he was a Christian. He used to come to our prayer meetings. I used to lead young men's prayer meetings and we used to every week get... 10, 15 guys together to pray. And this guy came from time to time, but he carried a lot of burdens in his life and, and he really struggled and he began to live his life empty. And that emptiness continued and continued and sadly, he ended up taking his own life years later, long after he'd left this area. But it was really sad for me and I, and I always remember it, that actually emptiness, the thing about emptiness is it, it's like a black hole. It consumes stuff. Emptiness consumes, you know that. God doesn't consume, he fills. God's opposite of emptiness is to fill. And so if you get into an emptiness cycle, you can find yourself being emptied more and more and more because there's a spiritual truth in emptiness that the more you are being emptied, the more emptiness will fill you. It's just the way it is. Emptiness, things about emptiness seem good, but they actually aren't. And I'm going to go through a few points this morning. I want you to think about this this morning. What are the indicators of living... Um, in an empty life, or if there are indicators of what emptiness, how it starts, what are the patterns, so you can start to think about it this morning, and beware, or if you're seeing it in someone else's life, don't go accusing them, just draw alongside them, and, th- and, and start to recognise this pressure in their world. There are probably many other indicators, but I've just picked out five that I think are really punchy, and things to think about. Are you sensing that things are becoming out of control? If you're sensing that stuff in your life is beginning to come out of control, you're feeling like you're losing the plot a little bit. If you're losing a sense of what is God really doing. Now, it will mean different things to different people, but emptiness um, can, can be linked with feeling that you are not in control of your own destiny. Now, I know life is full of challenges and problems. I'm not saying that there aren't uncertainties at all. We know there are uncertainties. But you know the difference between walking steadily through an uncertain period and feeling like you don't know what's going on. If if you are not sure, and if your spiritual life is a bit out of control, then there's an indication of emptiness, and you need to do something about it. You need to be in fellowship. You need to bring yourself, really, to God authentically. That's what you need to do. The second thing I want you to think about, indicators of emptiness... Am I acting impulsively or prayerfully? If you're acting impulsively and you're reacting more than you're acting, there's an indication that there's an emptiness building in your life. And like I said at the beginning, emptiness will start to take and take and take. And before you know it, the out-of-controlness, the impulsiveness will work together and they'll start to dig a deeper hole in your existence. Key one, this sin becomes increasingly attractive. It becomes attractive for multiple reasons. It becomes attractive because it's an escape from the way you're feeling. 
And if sin is becoming increasingly attractive, sin by its nature will always be tempting, right? It'll always tempt you. You've got to keep sin as far away from your front door as, as possible. The Lord's Prayer is lead us not into temptation. It's about the tension of managing life in, in this earthly kingdom, but managing life in the kingdom of God. It's the tension, and you'll, we've all got to face it. This week's been a tough week for me, not in areas of sin, but boy, have I felt like I've had to really wrestle myself through some very frustrating things on the inside of me. I've had to do it. Nobody else can help me with that. I have got to do it myself. I've got to. I have to wrestle with the things that are wrong. You have to, uh, and by things that are wrong, I'm not talking about moral failures or anything like that. I'm talking about um, wrestling with the tensions of the, the stuff that goes on in your head. The, the thoughts that come in about stuff is going to be doom and gloom. The thoughts that there is no way forward on a particular issue. They don't come from God, those thoughts. Those thoughts don't come from God. I'm not talking about immoral thoughts. I'm not talking about you know, things to do damage to myself or other people. I'm talking about battling thoughts where there's condemnation, where there's you cannot do it. It's not true. Um, emptiness will try and consume more of who you are on the inside. And before long, you look great on the outside. But there's this hole inside. And what happens? You just collapse inward like a collapsing star. Sin becomes increasing. So watch out. I'm just giving you some, some pointers. But we've got some good stuff that we're going to look at as well in a few minutes. The fourth one is you're starting to cover up your actions. Because that's what sin does. Um, your emptiness leaves you very vulnerable. So you start making mistakes in your decisions. You start making flawed decisions. And when you make flawed decisions... You try and keep that outward impression of everything's okay. The timing is getting, you're misjudging the timing of what you need to do. And because this other stuff is open, and that's what's going wrong. And you may relate to this. I'm telling you, I've been there. And every one of us have been there. Everything on this, this five list, every person in this room has been on this list. Don't, don't think, oh, that, this is for someone along the road from me. It's for you, right? <laughs> this is for you to think about. You know, what is it that you are plastering over? We've got plasterers in at the moment, or have had, to cover the, the damaged walls in the, that, that room over the, the other side, and that's going to be decorated soon. The preparation is where all the hard work is. It's not in the finished outcome it's the preparation which means we've got to go back to all the mess get all the rubbish out and really work at it so my fifth um, indicator of emptiness is you're restricted by fear not expanded by faith now we had a great service last sunday and unusually we had a ministry time at the end which was fantastic and many of you many of you felt completely like god was touching stuff in your life and i'm so excited because as fear is removed from our situation then God's fullness starts to come in and we expand. You guys, you know, there is nothing. Fear is the biggest attacker of the kingdom of God out there. You know that. Sin, death and fear. Fear is the thing that, you know, that's why the, all this stuff with the euro at the moment is, and the EU is all fear-based. So much of it's fear because fear controls people. It's a controlling mechanism and the kingdom of darkness knows it. And so it is going to try and bring fear into your situation, no matter how good you are, and no matter how good the situation. So dealing with fear is really important, and we, it was great to be able to touch that last week, but restricted by fear and not expanded by faith. Five indicators of emptiness. There are others. There are things that these things produce. Like I say, if you let any one of those things get any kind of presence in your life, then the hole will start to get bigger, and then you'll get, you'll, everything will be fine for a while, Months and months, maybe even years, and all of a sudden, bang, what happened to that believer? 
This is what happened. The hole got so big, they fell into their own hole. So God's timing is current. He, he's addressing that. Paul's addressing that. Going back to that verse, going back to the verse of um, him addressing it, he's saying, don't ignore it. Don't ignore the emptiness because emptiness is going to do some damage. God, second point, God's timing is compelling. God's timing is compelling. For God says in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2, at just the right time, I heard you. On the, this is one of my favourite bits of the, the Bible. You know where we're going with this. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. I ne- that verse that piece of scripture, today is the day of salvation. That sits in me all the time. It's like, it's like it's sort of, if you could cut my head off, which I don't want you to do, inside it would have today is the day of salvation, written in you know, like a, a stick of rock. Because, because today is the day of being rescued. Today is the day of change. Today is the day. Today is the day. It's not tomorrow. It's today. Today something's going to happen. Today something's going to transform in your life. Today something can, can change. In fact, it says, indeed, indeed, the right time is now. And that word indeed is used in other versions as behold. Behold, in other words, see, see, the right time is now. See it. What are you seeing? What are you seeing right now? Are you seeing doom and gloom? Are you seeing the weaknesses? Are you seeing the the failures? Are you seeing the difficulties as the priority or the problem? Are you seeing all that stuff? Or are you seeing that the right time is now? The right time is now. So the right time is now for a change. But what happens when we miss God's timing? Stuff doesn't work out brilliantly. People get affected. Families get damaged. Why are divorce rates so high? Why are, um, why are people carrying scars for years and years? Why are people in debt uh, in places which just seem so irrational? Why are strong believers becoming people with no real testimony? Why does that happen? Why is the established church in Britain a relic of what it used to be? Why, why is it that, that, you know, this country used to be a country that sent missionaries abroad. Now the world is coming to this country. There are Christians in, in all parts of the world, in China, in, in Asia, in Africa, that are on fire for God. There are believers that are multiplying, seeing millions and millions and millions that come to faith. And in Britain, it's like we're stuck. Britain's stuck. Why? Because it's not seen the compelling uh, evidence of God's timing. Today is the day of salvation. Well, I love, I love these verses. Galatians 4, 4 to 5. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. This is Father's Day. This is the real Father's Day verse. But when the right time came, God the Father sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Under the law, the law was there simply to reveal sin. It was there to reveal the damage in life. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. And the trouble is, if we, if we, don't, if we live on empty, if we're living emptiness, if we're allowing emptiness to creep into our lives, if we allow it, we end up becoming people that get condemned by the law. And we're under grace. We're under grace. We're under forgiveness. We're under... Uh, opportunity, we're under bigness, we're under God's identity, we're his sons, we're his children, we're co-heirs with Christ, we've got all that in our lives. So what an amazing thing. He, sent, he was sent by God the Father to buy freedom for us who are slaves. That's what happens when you're empty, you become a slave. 
You become a slave to the circumstances. You, be, you don't know whether you're coming or going. You've got to guard it and protect yourself against it. And Paul quoted um, in his scripture there, in the, in the letter from, from Isaiah 49, verse 8, at just the right time, I'll respond to you. On the day of salvation, I will help you. At just the right time. At the, today is a day of change for you. No matter where you are, whatever your line, maybe your line is right here. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're comfortably on this line. Well, God is saying, come on, today, now today, something can change. This isn't just, I once was lost, but now I'm found. This is change from the stuff that's gripping your life, that's causing you to be in that fear place, that smallness. And he's saying, come on, I want to expand that out of your situation. I want you to be outside of, outside of condemnation. I want you to be outside of um, being pinned down. And what is salvation? Salvation is a number of things. Salvation is being saved. The scriptures say this from God's wrath. We talked about that a few weeks ago, about the judgment point in, in eternity. We are saved from God's wrath. That's what salvation is. We're saved from sin and its consequences. We're saved from it. We're saved from the power of death and the power of fear. We're saved from these things. And yet we still live there. You know, you can totally buck the trend on the fear pressure that you might be under by saying, there's no place for fear in me. I am going to live by faith. I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to live in a place where I'm getting bigger. I'm going to live in the bigness of God. I'm going to reflect the glory of God, not the, the damage of man. I'm going to reflect God's glory in my life. I'm going to let his bigness live in me and make me bigger. That's what God wants us to do. That's the compelling side of God's timing, the compelling side. It says, you know, anything can happen today. Anything. In fact, everything should happen today. Big changes start with small steps. Small steps are important. And sometimes you see the horizon, you think, well, I'm never going to be the big, bigger person I think I can be because there's so much to go through. You just take little steps. You just take little steps, little steps of the right thing. You, you say no to certain things. You say no to stuff. You say, I will walk in a certain direction. I will take an action. I will be in a meeting. I will join a small group. I will pray. I will come down. I will, I will, will be, it's prayer and fasting next month. We will do fasting. Why? Because it helps get the emptiness sorted out. Um, there's a whole process that God wants to take us through. Why? Because he wants us to walk it. He wants us to walk it. And the big changes will happen with the little steps. You know, I love a, there's a brilliant verse in the Bible. Zechariah 4, verse 10. Some of you know these verses, but I'll get to that in a moment. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. At the right time. You see, we want everything yesterday and we want to drive through our McDonald's and pick up our burger when we want it. But God's not like that. Part, our faith journey is sometimes about taking the bold steps in through an open door and other times it's waiting patiently. But it's not using waiting as an excuse to do nothing. That's the danger. You know, we're, we, are, we can kid ourselves, okay? You can tell yourself and that's why you need to be in fellowship. You need to be around someone. And people, you need to... You need to be able to talk truthfully into each other's lives. That's what these small groups are all about. Talking truthfully, privately, saying, but that's not what I see. I see someone who's opting out. I see someone who's not doing what they could do. And you need friends. The world is full of people who will just butter you up and say, nice life. That's okay. They won't tell you the truth. They won't tell you. A real friend will tell you the truth. A real friend will tell you when they see the damage is getting done. They can see it because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. So there is a, an element of patience in the kingdom. It's not all, I'm going to declare it and it will just happen. 
Why does God use the word patience so often in Scripture? Because there's a right time for the right thing. God never said, you can usurp my authority by you becoming God in my place. God never said that. He said, you listen to me and do what I tell you to do. Jesus said, I do what the Father tells me, not what I cook up in my own head as an idea. So spiritually, we can mess ourselves up with theology. You know? We can say, well, actually, it's all down to me and my choice. No, it's not. That's arrogant. It's not down to you. It's down to God. It's down to his Holy Spirit. It's about you hearing God's Spirit, and at the right time, the Lord will make it happen. At the right time. At the right time. Now, we live by faith, but at the right time, God will make these things happen. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices in seeing the work begin. Zechariah 4, verse 10. What is it that God wants to do in you and through you today? The big ticket items in your life will... You know, if you've got a mountain in front of you and you think, that's the mountain I've got to get round or get through, it will dominate your horizon. The big ticket item will dominate your future, whether it's finding a partner, getting married, whatever else it might be. Uh, Big issues in life, buying a property, saving enough finance, they become so big that all you see is that big thing. But God says, do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. What does God do? I think I said it recently. It's the little, it was at the prayer meeting on Wednesday, the little things that we do in quiet, humble obedience to God is where the big things change. The big things don't change just because you make a declaration about big things changing. They all start with little things, hearing the voice of God as he says, we're going in this direction now. Now we're going to go in this direction. We're going to go in that direction. It's the little navigation. Because when God knows he can navigate your little steps, he'll just take you. You would turn around and go, wow, I've just gone through that. I've got round the mountain. I've gone over the mountain. I've gone through it. Because the mountain is no longer a mountain. The mountain is just there for you to find a way through because God will provide it. That's what, it, what it's all about. You know, the little steps. I think back to a few years ago when, no, not a few years ago, about a year ago, when our neighbour a lady, a doctor, over the road from us who had a Catholic background for years, really under all sorts of condemnation. And, and not because she was a Catholic, by the way, but that just happened to be part of her history. But she was in all sorts of condemnation and fear was in her life. And she, she was paranoid, actually. I went over and prayed with her. I told Liz, my wife. And in fact, we both went and prayed with her at one, on one occasion. But Dr. Christina... found faith and then she died this year isn't it amazing I'm not choked up because she died I'm choked up because God at just the right time came through for her that's what chokes me up it's the right timing of God in her life it's the right timing and when you're with someone and the right timing happens when they make a bold and courageous decision whether to sit or move at the right time then you see God's hand on someone's life You see God working and you can see the people who God is working in and through because they're not empty, they're full. And out of the fullness, they're overflowing. And then they begin to feed other people. And people say, I want something of what they've got, what she's got, what he's got. Why are they saying that? Because you can't pin it down. You just know that something has changed. But but it's, it's amazing. God's timing is compelling. I'm going to move relatively briskly on now. But the third point is God's timing is challenging. It's challenging. And this is the later part of the text, verses 4 through to the end. talks about Paul. It says here, In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure. Do you get it? We endure. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten 
but, put in, uh, uh, but uh, being put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. Three different, there's nine things there Paul talks about. We've endured, we've patiently endured. Now I'm not saying our life is about condemnation and constantly enduring the worst stuff, because Paul saw some amazing things in his life. But he had to be patient and he had to endure. We have to. If you're in a time of patient endurance, you're probably right in the middle of God's will. You know that. You're probably there. You're probably in God's will. But you need to know that that's where you are. You need to know that. You need to be sure about that. You need to be certain about it. You know where you are. You know where you are. You know that you're enduring it and you're patient in it. This is a reflection of Paul's journey. He talks about in Acts 14 and 16 and 21. That narrative about the journey uh, that Paul went through, of the shipwrecks and everything else. But you know the stuff. So there's three categories there, those three different colours, the blue, the red, the green. The blue is like, um, it's the stuff that happens in life that just comes in your direction. So Paul's having to endure troubles, hardships, calamities. They're just life. He's having to do that. The Christian life is not freedom from that stuff. But verse 5, we've been beaten, put in prison, faced angry mobs. Now we're getting to the stuff that's immediately attacking his life. Who in here has been beaten for their faith, been put in prison for their faith, met angry mobs for your faith? We're not in a country where that stuff happens, but there are Christians all around this world where it does happen. So that's stuff that impacts you directly into your faith and your journey, your walk, but also stuff on the inside, the exhaustion, the sleepless nights, going without food. What is that? Working tirelessly for the kingdom, working tirelessly for the gospel. That's what Paul's talking about. The challenge. You know, um, was it Tim, Tim Peake who's just come back from the space station? And uh, I saw something on the news yesterday morning early. In fact, he was, they just separated the, the, space, uh, the capsule from the space station. I'm not normally that big on space stuff, but it was interesting. One of the commentators said that he's had to do lots of exercise. And, and actually, the lack of gravity has caused his muscles and his bones... His bones have got thinner, less dense, and his muscles have deteriorated. Why is it? It's because there's no gravity, there's no resistance. And in your life, if you're moving in the kingdom of God, there's going to be resistance, and that resistance will make you strong. So Tim Peake, now that he's landed, has got to spend the next few months, he's been up there in space for six months, he's got to spend the next few months building his strength back up. In fact, someone said you, you age rapidly in space. It's because your body loses all its muscles and its ability to breathe properly. So when he landed, one of the problems they've got is that his muscles that have to work against gravity are weaker, so his breathing is harder, so it feels like he's much older than he is. And let me tell you this, God puts stuff in our world to make us stronger. That's what he does, he makes us stronger. And so God's timing is always challenging, why he wants us to be stronger. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. So Paul says, he goes on to say that we're proving ourselves despite all that stuff with these godly characteristics. We're proving ourselves. So the antidote for emptiness is actually to walk the hard yards and to become stronger. The glory of the gospel shines in the way we respond to suffering. That's it. You might be in a tough place right now. The glory of God shines. Sorry, the glory of the gospel shines. It's the same thing, really. The glory of the gospel shines in the way we respond to suffering. If we are not having these battles and these challenges, probably we're, we're not as full as we think we are. Probably. Probably. God's timing is challenging. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. 
The faith to wait and the faith to take action are the same thing. They're both as important, but you need to know which one it is. Don't make the excuse that patiently waiting is the right thing when actually you should be taking action. And equally, you know, if you're taking action all over the place, but actually you just need to wait, you're also not necessarily operating by faith. You're just impulsive. And we've got to watch out for that. God's timing is challenging. <coughs> While you're waiting, God is working. I love this. Rick Warren's fantastic. He's just got such a great way with words. While you're waiting, God is working. God is working. And that's where our fullness starts to come in. God is working. God is working. God is working in those situations. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand to attack and the left hand for defence. Basically, God is providing everything you need for going forward and to be protected. He's providing everything. He's providing, and you want to look at the depth of that? Well, most of these battles are strongholds of human reasoning. That's what we're dealing with. We're, we're work, and sometimes it's in our own minds. We're knocking down the strongholds of reasoning, not just in other people, but in ourselves. We are our own worst enemies sometimes. We reason ourselves out of steps of faith. We reason ourselves out of bold decisions. We reason ourselves out of waiting patiently. We reason ourselves out of doing the things that we know we should be doing. And that's where the battles are so often. But it says, I love this, Isaiah 40, 39. Sorry, 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord, again, patience. Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly on eagles' wings. Um, well, wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You know that verse. You may have read it many times. It might be brand new to you. But what do we do? The key thing here is those who wait on the Lord. And waiting is part of God's timing. Waiting is not doing nothing. It's being close to God. Waiting is being close to him. Close to him in all aspects. Being, you know, listening to him speak through his word. It's listening to him whisper by the Holy Spirit. When do we last hear the Holy Spirit whisper through his word? When do we last hear the Holy Spirit whisper in our conversations? What are those ministry things that God wants us to do? Where are the challenges that God is creating for us? Where are the opportunities that God has opened up for us? Those that wait on the Lord will find new strength. You know, I, I, was, I picked up a book this morning from, from home called The Ultimate Treasure Hunt by Kevin Dedman. I've never read the book, but I've done the stuff that's in it. And it's amazing just knowing that we can wait on God and God will tell us what's happening in other people's lives, that we can walk a journey. And, uh, and God will open doors of opportunity into situations. He'll give us understanding. I'd like to ask the band to join me right now. You know, as those who wait on the Lord, we find new strength. Waiting is the key aspect this morning. Waiting on the Lord. They'll fly high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Isn't it weird that waiting is linked to flying, running and walking? Waiting is linked to flying, running and walking. Waiting suggests that you sit still, doesn't it? It suggests, it it seems like you hold back. But what do you do when you fly higher? You see further. These are metaphors. When you wait, you see further. When you hold back a little bit and just let God navigate, you see further. He lifts you above the mountain. He lifts, lifts you above the circumstance. He lifts you above the situation. And as you run, metaphorically, what are you doing? You're just being able to move more quickly. And the words behind it imply endurance in your work. You're able to get more done quicker. So you're not only raised up so you can see further, clearer, but you're able to move more rapidly with more endurance and more capacity. And then finally, 
you walk. Well, why does it have running and then walking? Walking is all about being sure-footed. It's about taking that intentional decision, that intentional step, and knowing that what you put your foot on is where God wants you to be. The Bible talks all about where you put your foot. I mean, the number of times it doesn't say running through a kingdom. It, it says where you put your foot. That becomes your territory. It's territorial, this. Where you walk becomes territory. God talked to that, the Israelites in the Old Testament about territorial responsibilities and where you put your foot, being sure-footed, not slippery, but sure-footed. You, be, you, you remain steady. What an amazing thing that as we wait on God, we get His timing right. God's timing is perfect. His perfect timing. It's current, it's compelling, and it's challenging. Let's stand now. The band are going to take us through a song. We'll think about this this morning. What does this mean for me? What is God saying today? What is it? What's the, what today is the right timing for today? What has to happen today in, in our lives? What has to happen now, believer? I've been, been a Christian for years, but what is it that God's saying right now needs to move in terms of direction? We're waiting on the Lord is about navigating movement. It's not about staying static. It's navigating movement. So what is God moving us into? Over to you, Jay.